Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and the Seahawks on Monday night are taking on the Minnesota Vikings. And we have Ted Glover of the Daily Norseman joining us. He's also part of the Good Morning Galhorn Podcast. Ted, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, happy to be here. How you How you doing today, Brandon? I, I'm doing all right. I I don't like these Monday night games because I, you know, especially when we have so many games on Thursday and then you got to wait all through the day on Sunday and then finally it's the the very last game of the entire week. I guess the one benefit is that you know what your opponents do and especially in these divisions where we have tight races going on. You have one going on with Green Bay. We have one going on with San Francisco. Uh, at least we're gonna know you know what kind of impact this game is really going to have come Monday night. Uh, and I think regardless of, of what the outcomes already have been for the Thanksgiving games and, and what happens this weekend, uh, there are still huge implications regardless of who wins or loses on Monday night for both for both teams, actually. I look at the Vikings, and I know you guys are kind of locked in with this race with the Packers, but we saw the Packers just get clobbered by the 49ers. Are, are we sure that the, the Packers are a good team? You know, the, the, the Homer Vikings fan in me always thinks Green Bay is terrible. But I, that I don't know. Is, was it a combination of Green Bay is a bad football team or San Francisco is really good? Because I, I'll tell you, Brennan, when I watched that 49ers defense and I hadn't really seen them play other than maybe some extended highlights, that was the most consistently fast uh, and relentless defense I have seen in the NFL this year. I mean, they look like they look like a really good college team, like an Alabama or Ohio state or Clemson defense going up against a bottom rung FBS team. I mean, they, they look that good to me. And, <laughs> and so it is green Bay is a good team. I, I think, I, I think their defense is a little bit overrated, but Rodgers finally has a decent running game. I'm still not sold on, on the receivers he has outside of Devonte Adams. But I don't think they were that bad, to be quite honest. They've kind of had a an S schedule. They really don't have a, a strong schedule to finish, so they're they're taking advantage of the schedule and they're beating mostly they're beating the teams they they should beat. So it's going to be tough for the Vikings to catch them, I think, um, just based on on the remaining schedules of both teams. But and and yeah, the Vikings lost in week two, which just was an aggravating loss. The farther in the rearview mirror that that game gets, but. I think on paper the Vikings are every bit as good as Green Bay and can win the division if if they can at least keep pace and they've still got a Week 16 matchup at Minnesota to maybe try and even things out. So we'll see. Well, what do you think about the Vikings' remaining schedule, or really the the schedule overall this season? Do you think that you know at eight and three it's an accurate picture of of what the what you've seen from the team so far this year? Yeah, it is. They're they're a good team. They've let a couple wins get away, but you know, then they won a game or two they probably shouldn't have. Dallas could have come back and, and won that game on I guess it was Sunday night football. They had no business coming back and beating Denver down twenty to nothing at halftime, but they did. <laughs> they they gave away that game at, at Green Bay uh in week two. Uh well not gave it away. They had a chance to to take the lead and maybe win and you know, they just had a couple of bad plays they they should have won the kansas city game and they didn't so i mean over the course of a season i think games even out so eight and three seems fairly reasonable about where they are and and how they finish to to end the season kind of starts monday night against seattle i think that game and the green bay game in week 16 
will tell us whether or not the Vikings are a serious contender uh, or just kind of a fringe wildcard team. I'm still not sure quite how the Vikings or really how that Denver defense allowed the Vikings to get back in the game because you're talking about the game that you're going to go, you guys on the bye week last week, but the week before against the Broncos, giving up 20 points in the first half, uh, Brandon Allen making some crazy conversions down the field against the Vikings defense. And it wasn't until the fourth quarter. And I think you guys were down like 20 points still when the fourth quarter started. What was it? 23. Was it, it was 14. I Yeah, and I, maybe they scored right. The, yeah, I think it was maybe 23-7. Yeah. Um, and then, and then scored I think right it was the in the very opening Diggs second that, of the fourth yeah. quarter. Yeah, yeah. So it was, what happened was the Vikings, um, the, the defense actually, you know, kind of started getting off the field and the Vikings offense clicked. And I, I think part of that was they went an up-tempo, no-huddle no huddle offense for the entire second half. They, they really needed to, to change the dynamic and feel of that game, and they did. And they had four second-half possessions. They scored four touchdowns, um, and, and they really overwhelmed Denver. And, you know, the thing going into that game, the Vikings have had problems with Vic Fangio defenses. I mean, he last year when he was the Chicago's, uh, Chicago Bears defensive coordinator, he throttled the Vikings for two games. They lost both games. This year, they had no answers for that defense. And early on, they had no answers for another Chuck Pagano defense. And, and they figured out what would work. They got, uh, they got into, into formations and plays that, that Kirk Cousins excels at, namely play action and, and rollout type stuff. The offensive line started playing well in the second half, and it all sort of came together. So, yeah, it's, it, it, was, it was a great win. It was, you know, you could argue you shouldn't go down 20 to nothing at home against a three and 16 or whatever they were then, but they, they figured out a way to win the game. And that was, that was huge. That was so huge going into Dubai because if they had lost that game, these last two weeks would have been so negative and so down. And it just, Oh man, it it just, it, it, if there's a place when we look back, it says, Hey, maybe we flip the script on this season. It'll either be that Cowboys game on Sunday night or, or possibly that Broncos game, depending on what happens going forward. Well, I got to say that that win over the Cowboys, I think maybe that impressed some folks because the knock on Kirk Cousins, right? It's been that if you put him under the lights, primetime games, if it's against a winning team, then Kirk Cousins can't win games. So is that is that knock on him fair or unfair? Uh, I think it was very fair coming into the season. Uh, and, you know, the issues the Vikings had last year, they, they weren't all on Kirk Cousins. I, I think he was kind of a lightning rod simply because he signed the big contract and it was fully guaranteed. And, you know, the Vikings had, had gone to the NFC championship the year before. So the expectation was, well, we improve at quarterback and, and yes, he was an improvement over Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Bradford, the, the three guys that had played in, in 2016 and 2017. So the expectation had been, had been elevated yet people kind of forget the Vikings had, I think the worst rushing attack in the NFL last year, mm-hmm. offensive coordinator, John, John D Filippo uh, abandoned the run early and often. And they put even more burden and pressure on cousins to, to step up and perform. And he did in many games, but yeah, when like the Seattle game last year, for example, the, the Vikings could do nothing. Um, and the defense played strong and they played tough. And it was a, it was a one-score game, if I remember correctly, going into the fourth quarter. The Vikings still had a chance to win. So, yeah, I mean, Cousins Cousins did not play well in, in, in certain games last year when it mattered, but I, I think he's he's turning that around this year. Yeah, it was Washington, but 
on Thursday night football against the Redskins, the, the Vikings got a win. And, and against the Cowboys on Sunday night football, Cousins played good football and, and the Vikings got a win. Uh, he, he engineered that comeback, which was a kind of another knock on him. He hasn't been able to do that since he's been in Minnesota. So he did that. So it's, it's, I think it was a, a, a mostly accurate narrative that had been built, but give him credit in, in saying that he is going about knocking that narrative down this year with some signature wins and comebacks this year. Well, Ted, when you describe a football game with the Seahawks uh, by saying that it was a one-score game going into the fourth quarter, I think you've described about 95% of Seahawks games for about the past four years. So I, I think you're probably right. I, I have no memory, uh, you know, right at the top of my head if, if it was a one-score game going into the fourth quarter, but it probably was. Yeah, I mean, I, I was, you know, I was, I did uh, the five questions Q&A exchange with Kenneth Arthur, and I was looking at Seattle's record. You've got like, what, six wins this year where it's been four points or less. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. I mean, that's, that, that's really impressive that you can, you can do that, that consistently. That's a testament to Seattle's uh, football team and coaching and, and, and everything else that, you know, you, you say, well, it's luck, but, uh, but good teams make their own luck, I think. And I think there's, there's a, a lot of truth in that as well. I think when the Seahawks have had a a consistent winning record and they do that year after year, I think it it must be something that uh, Pete Carroll preaches. You know, he talks about always finishing games and yeah, you know, that I I understand that philosophy. I like to win games kind of early. You know, I kind of like being up 20 to nothing at halftime, but uh, apparently Pete Carroll not into that. Russell Wilson, apparently not into that either. He seems like he doesn't know what to do when he has a lead in the fourth quarter. He likes those game winning comebacks. He he's had five games. game-winning drives on the season in the fourth quarter. So it's it's just something that we're used to as as Seahawks fans. But you, you brought up Dalvin Cook, and I, I do want to talk about him because, you know, he has been you know really a, a game-changer for the Vikings this year, already over 1,000 rushing yards. He has, you know, 450 receiving yards. So he is that complete type of back. Uh, what have you seen from Cook that, that's made him so impressive this year? Not a, not only everything you said, but but he's so good at either making a guy miss or breaking a tackle and getting to the next level and getting that extra seven or ten or even fifteen yards, and that's such a huge dynamic that was missing in Minnesota's offense last year. You know, I I go back to the how last year the, the rushing game was like thirtieth or thirty second. It was just awful. Um, a lot of that goes to the offensive line. They've gotten a lot better. They have. Uh, the whole interior line was remade. They, st- they still have the, the same bookend tackles from last year, but you know, Pat Elfline kicked over from center to left guard. They drafted Garrett Bradbury in the fa- first round and made him the starting center. And then they resigned or they signed uh, Josh Klein in free agency from Tennessee. And, and those guys, they struggled a little bit, especially maybe Elfline and Bradbury early on. But, but the last two or three games uh, with maybe the exception of the first half of Denver, they've, they've really come on and, and have played solid football. And, and that's given a Kirk Cousins time to set up in the pocket and make his, make the throws he's needed to. But it's also given Dalvin cook in the running game, a, a, a huge, a huge boost. And when cook goes out, a guy, they bring in uh, rookie third round draft pick, Alexander Madison. There's not much of a drop off in production. Madison is a strong between the tackles runner. Um, he really fights for extra yards. I, I would say cook is a superior pass catcher i don't see madison as, as being a dynamic um runner with the ball you know catching the ball in the flat or whatever but uh, i i i think cook is just superior in, in that category but you know there, there was a a concern about the the 
the third down running back and the guy that would replace Cook when, when Cook has to come off the field. Because Latavius Murray was a very productive player when he was with Minnesota, and you mm-hmm. can see he's doing well down in New Orleans. And now uh, there's really not much of a drop-off when, when Madison is in the game. They're both solid in pass protection. It's just been a, a complete 180 of, of what we saw last year in terms of running the ball. The 9-2 and two Seahawks are taking on the 8-3 and three Vikings on Monday night. We're going to take a quick break, come back, and I'm going to ask Ted about what he thinks is the key to stopping the Vikings offense. Joined by Ted Glover of the Daily Norseman, and we're talking about the upcoming Monday night game against the Seattle Seahawks. I teased it a little bit before the break, Ted. What is the key that you think to stopping this Vikings offense? Two things. If, if you can limit Dalvin Cook, and, and if you can bring pressure up the middle, um, that all season when the Vikings have had trouble moving the ball and scoring points, those have been the two main things that you look back on and say, yeah, that that, that was a problem. If, if you can disrupt Kirk Cousins coming up the middle, um, he's been pretty good at, at stepping up. If, you, if you've got a guy coming off the edge, uh, stepping up and, and either running with the ball, which he's, he hasn't done a lot, but he's been effective when he's done it, or um, stopping Dalvin Cook and, and making the Vikings go one-dimensional and pass with, with no threat of a run at all. The only time that that's really happened was uh, the Bears game in week four, and the, and the Vikings offense had really no answers. The, the Broncos did a good job a couple weeks ago, but, but the Vikings came out and countered it, and they went, went no huddle. So if, if those things are happening again, it'll be interesting to see if the Vikings kind of flip into that no huddle mode, and, and we'll see what happens. But yeah, if, if Seattle can do that, they've got, they're going to have a leg up on the Vikings offense for sure. Well, and one thing about Cousins, it does seem like he's you know, really good at finding those big plays down the field. And a big part of that, Stephon Diggs, obviously. Uh, Adam Thielen has been part of that. Uh, but I know he's been kind of out of practice this week with injury. Are we going to see Thielen on Monday night? Yeah, all signs point to Thielen playing. Um, he's been kind of limited in practice, but earlier in the week, the Vikings uh, the Vikings had five wide receivers on the roster, uh, and they waived uh, Josh Doxson, who they signed right at the beginning of the season, and re-signed linebacker Cameron Smith. Um, so right now they only have four wide receivers on the active roster. They've got Thielen, they've got Stephon Diggs, they have uh, rookie Olabisi Johnson, and then um, former first-round pick Laquan Treadwell. So if if Thielen, I would be surprised if Thielen doesn't play, and if for some reason he comes up uh, like a game-time decision and, and doesn't go, it's, it's really going to put the Vikings in a bind because they'll only have three guys on the active roster going then. I want to flip over to the defense because one thing that really jumped out to me when I was looking and digging into the stats, the Vikings defense is number six, 18.6 points allowed per game. What do you attribute that to? You know, they, they've kind of embraced this and I hate it. It's this bend, but don't break philosophy, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, they've, but their past defense kind of almost seems broken. Trey Waynes and, and Xavier Rose, the two starting quarterbacks, have really not played well about the last four or five-ish games. Vikings' pass defense has gone from a top 10 in unit to 15th or 16th over the course of the last month. They are, they are giving up yards in chunks. But I will say when, when teams get down into the red zone, the Vikings are doing a pretty good job of keeping them out of the end zone and limiting them to field goals. We saw that. Uh, most notably in the Denver game, they had, uh, you know, there was a, there was a chance 
it, the, the Vikings just had a couple of brutal turnovers towards the end of the first half and one right before halftime. And the, the Vikings, a- Andrew Sandeo came up with a big interception. The second half, they were able to keep Denver out of the end zone. They only allowed the one field goal. And even when they, when the Broncos went down on that huge epic drive, you know, took up the last six minutes of the game and went like, I don't know, 18 plays or whatever ridiculous number it was. They stopped them. They kept them out of the end zone from scoring. So, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's safe to say that Seattle would be able to move the ball if Seattle can convert in the red zone and, and, and score touchdowns and not settle for field goals. They've got an excellent chance of winning. I, I just, we'll, we'll see how it goes on the road for the bikes. I, I, would hope they've got their pass defense issues figured out, but yeah, they've they've really uh, still tough to run on. But you know, and with with Russell Wilson, if if you know having a pass having a defense that's having a hard time stopping the pass is not a thing you want to see with Russell Wilson going into CenturyLink Field for sure. It does seem to set up well for the type of game that Russell Wilson has. Also, the the, the fact that. The Vikings defense stopping teams inside the red zone. The Seahawks have been one of the top scoring red zone teams in the league this year. So that kind of sounds like it, it sets up for a good fight between these two teams. Then if the Vikings are, you know, a good red zone defensive scoring team. And that was evident to me in the Cowboys game, too, because, you know, Dak yeah. Prescott, you know, he's good at engineering those fourth quarter drives, too. And he gets the the Cowboys down inside the red zone. And it's a, a big play on fourth down that, that stops that Cowboys team from, you know, getting in the end zone and getting the win. The, the Vikings historically under Mike Zimmer, he's been the coach since 2014. They, they've been really, really good at two things, getting off the field on third down uh, and not letting teams score when they get down into scoring position. They're, they're having troubles getting off the field in third down, which you can see if you go back and watch any game, there's, there's several drives a game where, where teams go 10, 12, 15 plays in most instances, but at the end of those, the Vikings kind of figured out and you know, that we all talk about the, sh- the field getting shorter and everything else. The Vikings do a pretty good job of, of not allowing the touchdown and, and making teams settle for field goals. And that's, and that's been a big key into keeping the Vikings in a lot of games and, and getting out with some wins when, when maybe they very well could have lost. So yeah, it's, that's going to be a huge component of the game. And, and I, you know, if the Vikings, I, I still think Rhodes and, and Waynes are, are good cornerbacks. I don't know what the issue is. They seem to be on, in tight coverage, but in past years when they would make a pass breakup, they're allowing the completion for, for whatever reason. If, if they can turn that around and, and if, and if the, the red zone defense can still play pretty well, I, it's going to be a good game. I, I, really like, uh, I really like this as a test for the Vikings to see where they are in terms of, of how good of a team they are in the NFC this year. Who do we need to be concerned about, or who does Russell Wilson need to be concerned about, uh, particularly among the front seven? Uh, Eric Kendricks is having an all-pro year uh, linebacker. Um, Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin, the two defensive ends, are the top defensive end tandem in generating uh, pressure on a quarterback this year. So they're going to bring pressure from the outside – if, if Kendricks or Anthony Barr, who's a, a pretty good linebacker as well, if they can do a good job of spying Russell Wilson, I mean, yeah, okay, if, uh, <laughs> because nobody does a good job of spying Russell Wilson, it seems. Uh, if, if they can keep him in the pocket, he's, he's going to have a hard time getting the ball out because Hunter and, and, and Griffin just close on the quarterback so fast. Uh, I think Linval Joseph, the big, uh, the big dog nose tackle that's been out for a few games, he's starting to practice, so it looks like he's going to play. And if he can come back, that's going to be a huge boost 
to the Vikings interior defensive line. So I, I would say those four guys right off the top of my head are, are going to be how, how well they play are going to be key in, in determining how effective I think Seattle's offense is going to be on Monday night. The Vikings are 5-0 and at home, so that leaves them 3-3 and on the road. So, Ted, for the average Vikings fan, what do you think their confidence level is for going into this game? For the Vikings or for Vikings fans? Vikings fans. What's the, how, how confident uh, are they about this team going to Seattle? You know, the, the Vikings have not, they've never beaten Pete Carroll. They've never beaten Russell Wilson. Going on the road is a hard, is a hard thing for the Vikings to do as a team collectively. Going into Century Link is a tough place to play. It's another primetime game. It's Monday night. I, I think if you, when the schedule came out, most rational Vikings fans would have looked at this game and said, yeah, I don't think so. I, I'm, I'm worried about this game. I, I think they have the talent that matches up very well with Seattle, and I think they can win this game. I just, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm very, I'm very nervous. I, I think nervous is a good descriptive word to describe the Vikings fan base over this game. Nervous, but I, I have to expect that, you know, with the kind of season Kirk Cousins is having, if he's able to, to get that win on Monday night, and he's been playing well, especially since week four or five of the season. If, if the Vikings get the win, are we going to start seeing Kirk Cousins in the MVP talks? Yeah, he, his name was kind of kind of bandied about on the edges. Um, I I don't know that that he is a, a legit one or two MVP candidate. I think that's going to come down to uh, Patrick Mahomes. I think Lamar Jackson has really played himself into that conversation. Man, unless the Vikings run the table and win the Super Bowl, no, I don't see that happening. But I think I think the years he he is having, if nothing else, deserves consideration uh he's really he's really gone about his business well um he's he took ownership early in the season when he was struggling and whatever it was he did he 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 turned things around and he's having a great year and a large part of the the reason the vikings are eight and three and in the hunt for not only the nfc north uh and and the playoffs but maybe even you know a home playoff or a, a first round bye if if you know depending on how the schedule pans out for the other teams is the play of Kirk Cousins. He's played very good football for a vast majority of the season. And the, the one thing that, that was really his bugaboo early in his career was, or and even last year with the Vikings was turnovers and he is really limited turnovers. I think he only has four or five turnovers all year, which uh, is, is far away his career best up to this point. So if, if he can keep limiting the turnovers and still play good football, you know, he's got guys to throw it to. He's got good players to hand it off to. Yeah, I, I, I think he deserves at least a, a mention in the conversation. I don't know that, that he would actually win the award, though. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, he's having such a good year. I think Russell Wilson's starting to have a, a hard time keeping in the conversation with just how good of a season uh, Lamar seems to be having so far with the Ravens. So uh, it, it could be tough, but this is definitely a big game for Kirk. And Ted, I really want to thank you for coming on, for breaking down the Vikings in this game. If people want to follow you on Twitter, if they want to check out your latest article with the, that five questions with Kenneth Arthur, where do they go? If you want to go to the perpetual outrage machine that is Twitter, you can find me. Uh, my handle is at purple Buckeye uh, in terms of Vikings and Ohio state, go bucks beat Michigan on, on the daily Norseman. Uh, I'm one of the, one of the lead writers there. You'll see me. I, I do 
four, five, six pieces a week. I, I got a, a Q&A up there right now with Kenneth Arthur, your, uh, um, your contemporary over there at Field Goals. Field Goals? <laughs> I know um, it's tough. With Field then, Goals, Field <laughs> yeah. Goals, uh, you really have to enunciate. <laughs> It's it's a good it's a good name. I, I like I like your blog's name. And then I do a I do a podcast on Daily Norseman. It's called Good Morning Gallahorn with uh, a, cu- a couple of good buddies of mine. It's 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 three kind of old semi drunk dudes. Well, two of us are semi drunk when we do it. Um, and we we do two shows a week. We do a preview show that drops I think Saturday morning, and then we do a show called In the Raw, which we we fire we fired up right after the game, win or lose, and and. Uh, that's usually pretty humorous. The, the host, Dave, is he's a good host, and uh, he he uh, he likes his beer. So do I. So we'll see how that goes. See, I, I think Seahawks fans are going to want to tune in no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, yeah. Yeah, I hope so. Well, thanks for coming on, Ted, and uh, looking forward to the game on Monday. 